So here goes our first victim, Frank Olson, who died on November 28, 1953, and his cause of death was falling from the 13-story window of his hotel in New York City. And of course, it's suicide. But the coroner cited autopsy findings indicating that he jumped from his window instead of pushed out, and in 1975, the CIA admitted doping Olson with LSD that led to his suicide and settled out of court with the Olson family for $750,000 precluding further investigation. Olson's family had the body exhumed and re-autopsied in the 1990s and forensic experts concluded that Olson was murdered. The New York District Attorney's Office conducted a murder investigation but never filed criminal charges. Olson's death was a clear-cut case of national security homicide and he was head of CIA bioweapons research and he had extensive knowledge to all these secrets and stuff. And one of those secrets was that bombs with the anthrax virus had apparently been dropped on North Korea, and he had become increasingly outraged and started speaking up because what he saw was an immoral use of his research, and he told colleagues he was disturbed about the evidence of CIA torture-to-death interrogations in Germany and of the bacteriological warfare on North Korea, and he was deemed a high-security risk and was interviewed by military intelligence. So how they did this was he was drugged with LSD without his knowledge or permission and further interrogated about his plans. And on the Monday immediately preceding his death, he informed his boss that he was quitting his job. And he literally fucking died the following Saturday. So that weekend, he was booked into the Hotel Statler, I guess is Statler, in New York City. And he was accompanied by a CIA agent who was constantly guarding him. And he was then visited by a military doctor and once again drugged and apparently clubbed and was pushed out of the window of the hotel. Which, by the way, the window was fucking closed. And then he was found laying on the sidewalk dead. So a phone call was placed by this CIA agent that was guarding him and... 
immediately afterwards. And this phone call was overheard by the hotel operator. And the CIA agent said, quote, well, he's gone, end quote. So exhumation and autopsy revealed that he had suffered a severe hematoma to the skull prior to the fall. And it was a textbook murder taken directly from the CIA assassination manual. It is first thing in the morning, so my voice doesn't sound as great as I normally would. Sorry about that. But the information still is important. (laughs) So a second autopsy demanded by relatives confirmed blunt force trauma and that the victim was rendered unconscious prior to his fall. Forensic findings were also that there were no indications that the trauma could have come from the window, and that the forensic evidence strongly suggested homicide. He, he would, so, he was drugged, clubbed, and snubbed. That's how I look at it. I mean, he was drugged, clubbed, then thrown out of a closed window. They didn't even open the fucking window for him. They drugged him, clubbed him, threw him right out a closed window. Which, by the way, how the fuck do you throw someone through a closed window? What happened was, he was drugged, clubbed, they opened the window, threw his body out, and then closed the window, and then threw a chair or something through it to look like he busted through the window because the autopsy found that there were no lacerations caused by going through glass on his body and the window was covered with a canvas shade and a drapery so even if he was to have busted through the window and the canvas shade and the curtain protected his body from going through the glass it still wouldn't make sense because lacerations on the body are usually caused from the withdrawal from the glass, not as they crash through it. And it would have specifically caused multiple lacerations, especially on the legs, and Olsen had none of these. So the U.S. government conceded in an out-of-court settlement that LSD was administered to Olson without his knowledge or permission, and forensic experts conducting a second autopsy concluded that the first autopsy report intentionally misrepresented the true facts in order to make it appear like a suicide. And also contrary to the first autopsy report, like I said before, No lacerations were found upon the victim, even though he had supposedly crashed through and out of a plate glass window at high speed. What else is fucked up about this? Well, the hotel room was so small that it would have been impossible for Frank to build up sufficient running speed and then catapult over two twin peds that intersected the room and crashed through a plate glass window. You're telling me that this itty-bitty little tiny hotel room, he was able to get up enough running speed to start at like the hotel room door, 
turn into fucking Flash from from the comic books. Jen jump over two twin size beds, get to the other side with the same velocity, get over the two twin size beds, and then crash himself through a closed window. And then I guess on the way from the hotel room, jumping over the two twin beds, and before he reaches the window, he clubs himself over the head and then injects himself with LSD, and then he crashes. Give me a break. So, also, forensic examination determined that the body of Frank was medically consistent with having been dumped out the window in a semi-conscious state rather than having intentionally crashed through it. And the CIA agent, Robert Lashbrook, who was the one that was, like, guarding him, kept changing his story about how the victim went out the window. And the night manager at the hotel immediately realized that something was wrong. And here's a quote from him. He says, quote, and here's Lashbrook sitting on a john in his skivvies. And the police thought to question him about it. And I heard him say, quote, well, all I heard was a crash, end quote. I walked around the room to look around. Nobody ever jumps through a window. They open the window and then they go out, not dash through a shade and a sheer drape. You know, that makes no sense, end quote. So that was a quote from the night manager at the hotel. So instead of calling the police or the hotel desk or anybody normal afterwards, The CIA agent calls his superior, CIA scientist Dr. Harold Abramson, who had sedated Olson earlier. And in the conversation, this is the part where he, the, um, the operator from the hotel says they heard him say, quote, while he's gone, end quote. Olson had been interviewed by military intelligence and deemed a security risk. We can establish that because he was very upset about the biological warfare and he he said that it was immoral and he was deemed a security risk because he was going to blab. And one thing that I've learned, especially from Marilyn's death, is if you're not going to zip the lip, you're going to get clipped. And that's exactly what happened here. So, nine days before his death, Olson was drugged without his knowledge or permission with LSD and some other kind of drug, which was known to make a person more open and talkative. And then, in a drug state, he was interrogated utilizing secret interrogation techniques gathered from Project Artichoke, which I will cover here in a second. It was the mind control operation that Olson himself had been a part of. Shortly before Olson's death, the CIA distributed its assassination manual to its agents. It was declassified in 1997 that this happened, and it details, this assassination manual details the precise method of Olson's death. Coincidence? I don't think so. So, in training for the assassinations unit, of the Israeli Mossad, the Olson murder has been used as an example of a perfect assassination. I don't know. Perfect. I I beg to differ. 
I mean, the, the closed window and all being drugged and clo- that that's perfect to you. Maybe perfect for an idiot. But would it surprise you to learn? If you're listening to this podcast, probably not. But would it surprise you to learn that the CIA drugged an entire French village with LSD? Or that it tested LSD on unknowing U.S. citizens right in the middle of Manhattan? Also on our own soldiers, our own prisoners, and mental patients locked up in hospitals. How about the fact that the U.S. tested anthrax on American factory workers and used biological warfare on civilians in North Korea? Or that the CIA secret prisons known as black sites for extraordinary redemption, which, you know, kidnap and torture, bear the roots of their research in the 1950s. You're never going to see stuff like that in like a high school history book or something. But, you know, we have to say this did happen. Whether or not they want to talk about it, it happened. And Frank Olson was the man who attempted to intervene on the behalf of humanity, which cost him his fucking life because he saw all this going on. So a little bit more about Frank is that he was a gifted chemist and was a CIA officer and acting chief of special operations for the Central Intelligence Agency at the Top Secret Special Operations Division at Fort Detrick in Frederick, Maryland. That's a hell of a description, but I'm just going off of what it says here. So, Olson was an expert in the use of psychoactive drugs and biological warfare, including anthrax and other viral agents, and he had top security clearance. A special CIA operation codenamed Artichoke involved the development of special extreme methods of interrogation. So now let's talk about Artichoke for a little bit because I've heard them all. I've heard Paperclip, I've heard Monarch, I've heard them all. But Artichoke was unfamiliar to me, so I did a little bit of extra looking. So, Operation Artichoke continued where the research had left off in Nazi Germany. Ooh. So, Frank Olson, as acting director of CIA Special Operations Division, oversaw the work of this program. And so, this artichoke, whatever, largely dealt with mind control techniques and brutal interrogation methods, often ending in the death of what CIA termed expendables but so that would be like prisoners suspected double agents whoever the fuck they felt like they were all just expendables and Olson witnessed these interrogations and apparently considered them like I said immoral and very disturbing and tests under artichoke included combinations of hypnosis torture LSD and other hallucinogens and mind opening and tongue loosening agents These tests were in the direction of mind control, 
maneuvering subjects into controllable states to manufacture what they call Manchurian candidates or program killers. Or, in the case of interrogations, willless subjects became totally compliant. But here's the thing. Sometimes it left the victims in vegetative states and other times it was fatal. This sounds like some fucking torturous shit that they, like in, um, well, there's a lot of instances, especially in A Clockwork Orange, but like in the second season of American Horror Story, when you got the German doctor who's in the basement of the asylum and he's testing on what as this article states, were expendables, mental patients, and he was injecting them with all kinds of crap and just seeing what happens, just a fun little game. And that's exactly what this sounds like. I'd be sick to my stomach. I couldn't do it. No way. There's no way I could have did it. But what's not ironic but ironic about this is that's what they did to Olsen right before they murdered him. They drugged him and did these interrogation techniques on him to get information out of him. So he died by his profession. The thing he was working on, that's how they, that's fucked. So I found this professor of history at the University of California. Her name is Catherine Olmsted, and she discovered documents indicating a White House level cover-up of the Frank Olson case. And that it was related to the secret use of anthrax weapons. So Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld were directly involved in concealing information about Olson's death. And Dr. Olmsted also said that part of Olson's work was the making of the anthrax and other biological weapons. So... Rumsfeld at that time was White House Chief of Staff to President Gerald Ford and Dick Cheney was a White House assistant. So one of the documents that Professor Olmsted obtained said, quote, Dr. Olson's job was so sensitive that it is highly unlikely that we would submit relevant evidence, end quote. In another memo, Cheney acknowledges the following, quote, the Olson lawyers will seek to explore all the circumstances of Dr. Olson's employment, as well as those concerning his death. In any trial, it may become apparent that we are concealing evidence for national security reasons, and any settlement or judgment reached thereafter would be perceived as money paid to cover up the activities of the CIA, end quote. Many people over the years have connected the dots and concluded that Cheney and Rumsfeld were given the task in the 1970s of covering up the death and the details of uh, Frank Olson. So I believe er uh, Eric Olson, who is... Frank Olson's son actually started the Frank Olson Legacy Project and has literally spent decades researching the circumstances of his father's death. And that's really sad because I don't think 
that his death was ever overturned as a suicide. I think they left it as a suicide, which sucks. And I'm very sorry for Mr. Olson. Because that is so fucking shitty. Alright, now on to our next victim. Henry Marshall died June 3rd, 1961. If you guys don't laugh immediately, not laughing at Mr. Marshall, but laughing at the so-called cause of death. I mean, I literally laughed out loud when I found the research on this guy. First off, I didn't even know who Henry Marshall was. Maybe a lot of people do, and I'm just like behind the times, but I had no idea who he was. And then... I looked at the cause of death and I about peed a little bit. So, the official verdict is suicide. Ruling by County Sheriff Howard Stiegel and Justice of the Peace, Lee Farmer, who ordered the body to be buried without an autopsy. What's the cause of death, you may ask? Well, it's suicide. But it's suicide by five gunshots from a bolt-action rifle. I'm just going to pause for a second and let you laugh about that. Okay, now that you got your little laugh in like I did, we can continue with the fuckery that... <laughs> If Henry Marshall was my family member, I would just dive on the sword a thousand times to defend Mr. Marshall. Suicide by shooting himself five times with a bolt-action rifle? Ugh. Where do I even start with that? So... Investigator for U.S. Department of Agriculture who uncovered vast financial scam being run by Billy Celestes and linked to Lyndon Johnson in Texas. Estes later testified that Johnson had ordered Marshall killed using hitman Mac Wallace. Initial death ruling never even addressed the impossibility of a person shooting himself five separate times with a bolt-action rifle. The rifle was never checked for fingerprints, nor was Marshall's pickup truck, which his corpse was found laying beside. No samples were taken of the blood stains on the truck, and it was washed and waxed the next fucking day. No photographs were taken of the crime scene. And a grand jury later ruled that Marshall's body be exhumed in an autopsy revealed that he had suffered a severe blow to the head prior to his death and that his body contained a carbon monoxide concentration of 15%. The doctor performing the autopsy estimated that the carbon monoxide concentration at, at the time of death was as high as 
So it may shock some of you, not most, if you're listening to this podcast, it won't, but it may shock you to learn that Lyndon B. Johnson, the 36th president of the United States, was also apparently, as a side job, of course, a mass fucking murderer. Yeah, definitely. So Henry Marshall was one of several fucking victims whom Johnson reportedly ordered his henchman Mac Wallace to murder. So, incredibly, the fact that Henry Marshall was shot five times with a bolt-action rifle did not preclude the official verdict of suicide. Think about that. So, President Lyndon B. Johnson was, by many accounts, one of our most ruthless politicians. And his path to the presidency was literally filled with dead bodies and highly questionable circumstances. But none was more obvious than agricultural inspector Henry Marshall, who had uncovered a huge financial scandal leading directly to LBJ's fucking doorstep. So, Marshall was a U.S. Department of Agriculture investigator. And he saw through a false paper trail and uncovered the fact that Billy Solestes was receiving millions of dollars in federal agricultural subsidies for crops of cotton that were non-fucking-existent. So, the profits ranked in from the scheme represented a major source of Lyndon B. Johnson's political funding. So, LBJ attempted simpler solutions prior to employing the use of murder. When Marshall got too close to the big financial scam that Johnson's associates, Billy Celestes, was running, Johnson apparently arranged for a fat promotion for Marshall to the Washington, D.C. office of the Department of Agriculture. And Marshall was like, nah, y'all ain't going to bribe me. And he refused the promotion and continued his efforts to prosecute the corruption he had discovered. And by him refusing, that was tantamount to signing his fucking death warrant. Because Billy Solestes had testified that he had a meeting with Lyndon Johnson and his closest associates, Cliff Carter and Ed Clark, on January 17, 1961, and the purpose was to discuss what to do about fucking Marshall. Since he refused the promotion to Washington, Lyndon Johnson reportedly made the decision for him. Quote, it looks like we're just going to have to get rid of him, end quote. It was also decided at that meeting that the assignment was to be given to Mac Wallace, who was a hitman used by my fucking LBJ. And on June 3rd, 1961, Marshall was found dead next to his pickup truck on a remote portion of his farm. Early in 1962, several months after Henry Marshall's death, 
Billy Solestes was arrested by the FBI and officially charged with fraud and conspiracy. That arrest inspired the Robertson County Grand Jury to order that the body of Marshall be exhumed in autopsy. And the autopsy revealed that Marshall had suffered a severe blow to the head prior to his death and had extremely high levels of carbon monoxide in his body prior to the gunshots. And thank the Lord, the suicide ruling was overturned. But it should be mentioned that even more morally corrupt FBI director J. Edgar Muffucking Hoover took pause on the impossibility of the initial death ruling, writing that, quote, I just can't understand how one can fire five shots at himself, end quote. Senator John McClellan also later concluded, quote, It doesn't take many deductions to come to the irrevocable conclusion that no man committed suicide by placing the rifle in that awkward position and then cocking it four times more, end quote. Mic drop! So here's a little bonus suicide for you. I didn't mention this in the intro, but if we're going to talk about Henry Marshall, we got to talk about George Krutlick. And I probably am not saying that right, but his name is George Krutlick. Kretlik. And of course we, you know, we got suicide, of course, their favorite thing to do, but his cause of death was carbon monoxide poisoning. And Krutlik was the accountant for the financial scam being run by Billy Celestes and linked to Lyndon Johnson. And Estes later testified that Johnson had personally ordered that Krutlik be killed using his favorite you know, his his guy, his dude, Mac Wallace. So a large bruise on Krutlick's head indicated that he had been bludgeoned unconscious prior to inhaling the carbon monoxide. And carbon monoxide poisoning was the modus operandi of hitman Mac Wallace. So just like Henry Marshall... The death of George Krutlick was directly linked to the financial scandal involving Billy Celestes and Lyndon Johnson. And Krutlick was the accountant for Billy Celestes and had close knowledge of the gigantic scam of subsidies for non-existent crops that were fleecing taxpayers, claiming government credits for cotton that was never fucking really actually ever grown, but listed as grown and in storage. So the invisible cotton was then also used as collateral to secure large fraudulent loans that weren't paid. A day after being questioned by the FBI, April 3rd, 1962, Krutlik was found dead from carbon monoxide poisoning. The following day, Billy Celestes was indicted by a federal grand jury on 57 counts of fraud and conspiracy. Three men were arrested with Estes, and two of them died under suspicious circumstances. LBJ did whatever it took to fucking win. 
his political history was laced with corruption and Johnson had failed in his bid for U.S. Senator in, in the Texas election, um, and they claimed that he would just lost by a margin of very few votes. But six days after the election, 203 extra votes turned up from a tiny town in Alice, Texas. And in an amazing anomaly, 202 of those 203 votes were for Lyndon fuckface Johnson and he was declared the winner by 87 votes and that's why LBJ was mockingly re referred to as landslide Lyndon but that didn't stop the motherfucker because you know he was blazing a path of corruption across the state of Texas and into the halls of the United States Senate as a veteran CIA operative John Stockwell put it Everyone in Texas knew that, quote, Lyndon Johnson was corrupt to the core with mob ties, with murder sometimes associated with his political campaigns, end quote. So Mac Wallace was literally described as Johnson's hitman, and he was found guilty of first degree murder with 11 jurors recommending the death penalty and the 12th juror recommending life imprisonment. But in an incredibly obvious example of a corrupt system known at the time as Texas justice, the judge overruled the jury, technically sentencing Wallace to five years, which was later suspended by the judge and Wallace was immediately freed. I mean... <sighs> It's, it's surprising, but it's not surprising, right? That 11 out of the 12 jurors recommended the death penalty. One said life in prison, and the judge was like, nah, how about a sandwich and a coat, buddy? Just go on about your business. So, as an American citizen, even Lyndon Johnson deserved his day in court. But that day never came. So, adding fuel to the fire, the fingerprints of Lee Harvey Oswald were nowhere to be found at the so-called sniper's nest in Dallas, but the fingerprint of another man was positively identified there by a certified expert in that field who determined a clear 14-point indication exceeding the legal requirement of proof for a match. Can you guess whose fingerprints that belonged to? If you guessed Mac Wallace, you would be correct. So now we've covered three more suicides linked either to the CIA or the mob. So you tell me, going back to Marilyn's episode, that these are suicides. The laughablest part about this was a guy shooting himself in the chest five times. I will give you that. But that's how sloppy they are. I argued with Ryan on an episode of Monday Night Master Debaters because he said they're evil geniuses and they are super-duper-duper-duper smart. 
I argue, how fucking retarded are you to give someone's cause of death by suicide five shots to the chest of a bolt-action rifle? I take my chances with Forrest fucking Gump before I take my chances with this idiotic, mobbling government that we have. Just saying. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And let me know what you think. Baby, you don't know what you're saying Because you're